Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And I was listening to a message by Andy Stanley, and he was relaying the story of when he was a youth pastor. And he had a friend who was an extremely successful business person. And oftentimes he would go out to have lunch or to eat with a person. And Andy said that he would always make him nervous and shake him up by the greeting that he always used with him. And he said every time he saw this man, this man would always greet him the same way. Each time it was the same thing over and over and over and he said it began, it, it would shake him up at first until he finally understood and had to, had to readjust his thinking pattern and his spirit to the greeting. And he said every time the man would see him, he would extend out his hand and say in a loud voice, what you're working on big. <laughs> and sometimes Andy would say, sometimes he wasn't working on anything big. <laughs> He didn't have anything going on. So, so today's message is simply entitled, What You're Working On Big. Turn to the person next to you and ask him, What You're Working On Big. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, the first through the fifth verse, the New Living Translation, it reads, Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, my son Solomon, whom God has chosen to be the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not just another building. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for the building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onks, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now because of my devotion to the temple of God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophar and over 262 tons of refined silver to be used for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example? Who is willing to give offerings to the Lord today? When Solomon said that he had tons of stuff to do, he wasn't kidding. What you're working on, big. Solomon was getting ready to rebuild the temple. He said, I have given personally 112 tons of gold. You all realize how much gold that is? And, and the Bible uses, we can understand gold because that is a metal that has not changed throughout antiquity. It's, gold is the same back then as it is now. Do you know how much you would have a bar of gold, which, is, which weighs not quite a pound? It's worth perhaps 70 or 80,000. Solomon said, I have given 112 tons of gold 
for the rebuilding of the temple. What you're working on big. And that's a big project. But yet, Samuel Grafton said, he said, a penny will hide the biggest star in the universe if you hold it close enough to your eye. A single penny will hide the biggest star in the universe if you hold it close enough to your eye. Many of us can never get around to working on something big because we've got pennies in our eyes. We're dealing with minutiae, little bitty things that really have nothing to do with the big things God wants you to do. But you've got this penny in front of your eye. And if you put a penny close enough to your eye, you can't see anything but the penny. And God wants you to do some big stuff. God wants you to, when he asks you the question, what you're working on, big. He wants you to have some grandiose plans and some some grandiose things. But oftentimes we're just stuck dealing with all of the pennies and all of the minutiae of life. And it's time for us to understand and to get the big picture. And there are two kinds of big things. There are big things in the natural and then there are big things in the spiritual. And you can do both. And I want to show you this with a story that all of you have heard in the Bible, but I can just about bet none of you have realized this. And and it's the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus begins in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I'll read the NIV version. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus told Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. How many of you all right now sitting in these seats, you're worried and upset about many things? You have all these pennies of life that block the view, that block the promise Of the big stuff God wants you to do. And here you have Mary and Martha. And Martha is worried about all of the preparations. And there Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. Now now there are two ways that you can look at this. Because Martha was doing some stuff in terms of preparation that needed to be done. Let me put it where you can easily understand it. I went to a revival last week and at the end of the revival, they had dinner at the end of the revival. After the preacher had gotten through delivering this phenomenal and fantastic message and everyone had been delivered and all the shouting and the singing was over. Everyone went back to the kitchen and they had some of the most delicious food you have ever smelled and seen in your life. 
And though everyone was there in the sanctuary, feasting on the word at the feet of the prophet, learning and growing, somebody had to fry the chicken. I said, there are two sides. Somebody had to fry the chicken. Now, they had chicken and they had fish, and I don't even eat chicken. But the point is, you all understand the point. I don't even try, I I try to even stay away from fried food. But the point is this. Somebody had to fry the chicken. You understand what I'm saying? Even with all of the shouting and all of the praising, when them saints got through, them saints were hungry. And do you all know saints can get hungry? Somebody had to fry the chicken. So Martha was doing and making preparations of what she thought were things that were needful. Martha was frying the chicken. And see, even the preacher couldn't just lay hands on the folks' stomach and say, Be ye filled, be ye filled, be ye. Them people wanted some chicken. So someone had to fry the chicken. So there Mary and Martha. And Jesus says, this thing I will not take for for she is doing the one thing that is needful. See, oftentimes people, we can do and worry about a multitude of things, but yet we won't do the one thing that is needful. And sometimes there may be a thousand things for you to do, but there is one thing that you need to do that's needful. Yet we busy ourselves, worry ourselves with all of this other stuff. And yet all of the stuff needs to be done. You need to make preparation. You need to fry the chicken. But there is one thing that is needful. And oftentimes worldly people will look at this example and they will say, well, well, Martha was really doing what she should have been doing. And, and Mary was wasting her time. And she would have said, and a lot of times people say, well, that type of person, all they, they're going to be up in the air in the spirit all the time. They're going to end up with nothing. And then the other people are going to have all of this stuff. Well, let me show you the other part of that story. And this is the part that most of you have not seen. If you will go to the book of John. Chapter 12, there was another side to Mary. And this is the other side of Mary. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha served, same as she did when Jesus had come to the house. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with ye, but me 
ye have not always. And the point that I want you to see in this, this is the same Mary, the same Martha. The point I want you to see are verses 3 and verses 5 of that 12th chapter of John. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly. And verse 5, Judah says it could have been sold for 300 pence. Now let me explain to you what 300 pence is. A penny in that day is not the same as a penny today. A penny in that day was a day's wage. That was how much the average worker earned for an entire day of work. So Judah said the ointment that Mary has just spread on Jesus's feet is worth 300 days of labor. Let me put that in modern terms where you can understand it. The average person probably earns 20 $30,000 a year. Split it down the middle. A year's wage is $25,000. Judah says the ointment that Mary just spread on Jesus' feet is worth $25,000. People, you don't get $25,000 by being stupid. Mary had enough to where she could spread $25,000 worth of perfume on Jesus' feet. That says something about who she was. See, a lot of people will think Mary as just being some dallying woman while Martha was busy with the household chores. Mary just some airhead sitting at Jesus' feet just quoting scripture. The woman had enough to where she could afford $25,000 worth of perfume to put on Jesus' feet. How many of you all can put $25,000 worth of perfume on the pastor's shoes? I don't know too many people who can afford that. So it lets you see that even though Mary may have been focused on Jesus's words, Mary had also done some stuff right in the world. Because you don't get that kind of money being silly with your time or with your resources. And, and see, generally, even in most families, a lot of times what you will have is, even among siblings, you will have one sibling with money and others without. You all, you all ever seen that happen? You all know I'm telling the truth with that. Mary was the one with the money. And it changes a little bit difference of the opinion and the act. And oftentimes you'll have that among brothers, among sisters. You'll have one who saves and one who splurges. You'll have one who invests wisely and one who spends every dime they can get their hands on. That has always, usually it's never even, even with even among siblings. Mary was the wise one. And Jesus says, this, this woman has kept for me for the day of my burial. $25,000 worth of ointment just to put on my feet. You know what it takes to save a whole year's worth just to buy perfume? So it changes the view of the whole picture of that Mary. But the thing about it, what I want you to understand is this. Mary was working on something big. 
See, Martha was working on the penny stuff. And that's the stuff you have to fry the chicken. So I'm not belittling frying the chicken. You've got to fry the chickens in your life of whatever kind that may be. You've you got you to pay your mortgage note. You have to pay your car note. You've you got to fry the chicken. You have to do the necessary things. But those things are the pennies of life. It's not the big stuff that God will have you working on. Turn to the person next to you again and ask them what you're working on. See, one thing about my brothers and I, we, we think big. We have to deal with a lot of minutia in life, but we think big. Sometimes we don't reach all of those big goals, but we think big. No one would ever accuse us of thinking small. I'm working on the power minute now. I, I'm, my goal is to get the power minute over 120, on over 125 stations worldwide. That's big. I think big. Well, pastor, suppose you don't get that. Well, suppose I don't. Suppose you don't reach. The, it, it is Benjamin E. May said it's, it's better to reach for the stars and hit the moon than to have no stars to reach for. What you working on big? People, God has placed within so many of you some big ideas, some big dreams. And what you need to do every morning when you wake up and it will change the way you think and the way you handle yourself. You just need to ask yourself that question when you wake up in the morning. What am I working on big today? We had a testimony last week, a video testimony from our nanny of a tribute to my wife. The nanny was the first person in the history of her entire family line who had ever graduated from college. She had all these brothers and sisters, all this long lineage. No one had ever gone to college, much less graduated. She had to wake up every morning with a concept and a question. What am I working on big? I'm working on finishing college. None of my ancestors have ever finished college, but I'm going to do something big. And most of us let the pennies get in the way. And we let the penny stop us. What you working on? Big. What has God placed in your spirit? What you working on? Big. And I'm not saying that all the other stuff. And some of you, well, Pastor, I don't have anything big. Oh, yes, you do. See, my biggest thing is not the power minute. It's not mountain wings. It's not my business. My biggest thing is my eternal life. All this stuff is going to fade and go away and go poof. My My biggest thing is my eternal life. This life is short and quick and sometimes bitter. My biggest thing is my eternal life. So when I pop up and when I wake up, what am I working on big? I'm working on the rest of my life. That's what all of the, a lot of the other little stuff, it's little. Some of the stuff that you have gone through is little stuff. And when you're going through it, some of you have lost your house. You've lost your job. Some of you have lost relationship. Some of you have lost children. Some of you lost self-respect. Some of you have lost some what appears to be some big stuff. But in, in the reality of it, hey, big stuff. What you're working on, big. God wants to take you to a point 
of where you're truly seeing the big things in life. And that's why you have, even in the material plane, the difference in accomplishment usually is just it's a difference in vision. Oftentimes it's not even a difference in talent. It's a difference in vision. And a lot of people can see themselves doing big stuff. And others never can see themselves working on anything really big. What you working on big? Some of you who have prayer partners, you need to start greeting each other with just that question. What you working on big? What you working on big? And, and do you know what it'll start doing? Same thing it started Andy Stanley to do it. It started him thinking and it started changing his mind, but it had to come from a person who was already doing some big stuff. Generally, big ideas will never come from somebody who can't have big ideas. And if you start thinking big, see, see the biggest lie in really choosing is when you say the words, I can't. That's just not true. We can do anything we want to do. And if we won't do it, it's usually because we've committed our time, energy, and resources somewhere else. Another great man says this. He said, people who don't take risk and go for something big usually make about two big mistakes every year. Those who don't take a risk and go for something really big, they usually make about two big mistakes every year. Those who... Don't take risk and go for something really big. Make about two big mistakes a year. And he said those who do take the risk and go for something really big usually make about two mistakes every year. You can choose whether you're going to do something big. And something big does not have to be necessarily grandiose in the world's eyes. Something big may be, it may not even be that you graduate from college, but it may be the declaration that my child will be the first one in this family to graduate from college. And sometimes that becomes your something big. What you're working on big. And when you, when you have the big thing in your mind, it changes what you are doing. Then you know, no matter what kind of job you have, if your big thing is my child, is going to graduate from college, then that job is no longer just a job. I'm not just working. I'm working on something big. It changes your focus and it changes your mentality. You can build a temple under God. May not be as grandiose as Solomon. You may not have 112 tons of gold, but God has placed some gold within you and he has given you the ability to work on something big. What you working on big? What you working on big? What are 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 you working on big? What you working on big? I hope you can answer that question. Some of you don't have a clue in the world because your mind. Do you know what they put? They put pennies on dead folks eyes. Some of you got pennies blocking your vision. God wants you to take them off. He wants you to do some big stuff in his kingdom. And you can do it. But you'll never be able to do it till you ask yourself that question and you come up with the answer. What you working on big? What you working on big? Big. Husband and wives, you need
need to look your spouse in the eye. What you working on being? And see, if you are a couple, you need to even transcend that to what are we working on being. If you're a couple, you ought to have joint goals and joint visions. What are we working on? We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the Word. This ends message number 5444 by Nathaniel Bronner Jr. To hear other messages or to send this message number 5444 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 5443. What you working on, big? Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.